Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And, and everything's coming up, Elfo. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> This episode is brought to you by that. Yay! Yay! We are, of course, doing a, a little funky fun thing that we do from time to time on this here Simpsons podcast where we do not talk about The Simpsons. Mm-mm. Eventually, this podcast will just be a mishmash of other pilot, backdoor pilots for other podcasts <laughs> that yeah. it could be about. Um, but today, we are, of course, talking about disenchantment i am so excited i'm sure that all of our listeners have already watched disenchantment Mm -hmm. the minute that it came out on netflix because that's the type of people that we all are yeah um uh but if you have not uh please feel free to listen to this before or after although we probably recommend that you actually do watch the show because unlike the simpsons or futurama there are actually some spoilers there are actually like it it is a sequential show so we wouldn't want to ruin it for you uh we would say this is probably better for people that have actually watched the show uh so know that this is waiting for you once yeah. you have it's a treat I 100% agree. The light at the end of the disenchantment tunnel. Uh, Yeah, so uh, disenchantment came out um, long enough ago that I really am pretty certain you guys have all seen it, but make sure you go see it. Part two of uh, of the disenchantment. Yes, we'll put it that way because <clears throat> numbering can be so uh, finicky these days. Yeah, and we don't like labels in 2019. <laughs> no, numbering and uh, labels is not what we're about. <laughs> but part one came out. Uh, you've already seen it. Part two is on its way. It's going to be spring or summer. We're could all going to have spring baby. It could be a have, summer baby. It could be a spring or summer baby. We'll leave it at that. Uh, but we are super excited to be talking to one of our very favorite guests in the show. Pretty much uh, just the third member of our podcast, I would say. You know him from The Simpsons. Uh You know him (laughs) from Gravity Falls. You know him from Mission Hill. I love Mission Hill. Uh, You know him from disenchantment Hi. welcome to the show josh weinstein yay thank you that's can i also say because you said this uh, it's brought to you by disenchantment i'll say it's also brought to you by kraken barrel and <laughs> barnes for nobles oh <laughs> yeah these signs are freaking hard to come up with new ones <laughs> yes. especially after 25 years you really of funny signs dug yourself it's into the, a hole yeah it's the worst that's like the the hardest thing and the background stuff we can talk about too. Yeah, because that's all. Do you ever feel like, eh, we don't need to work so hard on this background sign? Just write "ye old timey" in front of no, it. No, that's what drives us crazy. <laughs> really? Because also we're very specific with the animators too. It's like, do oh, do not put you know because there's the whole village of Dreamland and mm-hmm. uh, in other places. And it's like, do not put a blank sign unless you have a specific joke for it. Right. And so, but then they'll. Every time we go through episodes that we get back like, oh, God damn it. They put a fucking sign right over there on that shop. So we have to come up with another one. So like we are. Do you think they're ever just challenging you? I think sometimes there's a little, a little like, bit let's of a see duel. What they let's do. see what they come the up with. Yeah, because it's we always like it, it's really hard, and also within the confines of okay, it's medieval, right. And blah blah blah. It's like it's you yeah. back yourself into a, a sign corner, and oh, also and also as we said in this podcast too, it's like certain things like on The Simpsons were like the hardest things, and it seems you like signs. Mm-hmm. And stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. At what point in um, you know the writing process, like that kind of stuff happens after the script is finished, or is, do you write sign gags in the middle it's of like writing the episode? It's like an ongoing really? agony because yeah. like we'll have it like the beginning of a sign season. Gagony. Yeah, sign <laughs> gagony. That's a good way. Give to that use woman that. a job. Yeah, we're gonna. Use 
use that because like in the beginning, <laughs> like besides like mapping out stuff and planning scripts and stuff, we'll t- tell all the writers like everyone go off and come up with twenty funny background signs yeah. and stuff. But then invariably, like four of those out of like a hundred will be usable right and yeah. so we come and then but it's also like our restaurant comes up mm-hmm. in, the, in a scene and we're like okay we need a name for the restaurant so it's kind of everything it's side gaggedy yeah. that <laughs> reminds me i don't know if you saw but um like a six or so months ago uh, megan amram a writer for the simpsons as well yeah. as the good place um shared a, a word doc of just puns because they're very yeah, pun heavy that. there yeah. yeah and that um uh michael shore the creator of the good place would often just look to amram as like you know his ringer for puns and for sign gags like that it just felt like the dna was shared in a lot of way and what a fun like writing activity just be like come up with footlogger yes yes <laughs> yeah. uh at, at mad magazine we have to do that yeah. quite a lot as well uh that's i think mad magazine probably started it all uh yes not not my team of mad of course because i was not born when the good folks of mad were beginning it but 100 percent uh it's interesting because um you know we are in constant battle with the funnier uh iteration of mad mm-hmm. uh just trying to make it good which i think is by the, the way the funnier your, your iteration of mad is hilarious like Thank it you. is like Great. the best in years since like when i grew up reading it that like means it, so it's, much. it hits all the marks mm-hmm. and it's like it's and also it's like back to being both really smart and goofy which mm-hmm. i love which is like the original mad right what's that yeah thank you so much yeah. that's definitely the the thing we've strived for the most is just to bring it back to kind of old school like just even with the logo going back to yes, we, harvey it was, that yeah. is so appreciated mm-hmm. and beloved that that logo and oh, how good. you guys did that. Yeah, that, that's Doug uh, Doug Thompson, our um, our design director. Uh, he really pushed for that, and you know the the whole first couple of months we're deciding what the logo would be, and uh, we tried a lot of different things, but ultimately we all we all wanted to go back to the past and kind of we it's not just the old logo. We did kind of tweak it a little bit, but the Simpsons so and Mad cool, Magazine though. and everything. You could even just look at what Matt Groening and and everyone affiliated does is you know because it's been on for so long because these universes have existed for so long it's such an interesting comparison the two of them of like you know uh just there are so many different chapters in yeah each. how do you keep it alive but keep it new and all that keep it but yeah. also the thing i swear like i think mad was the first to do visually layered comedy so like talking about like background jokes and stuff oh yeah I know chicken for, fat yeah yeah and moxie mm-hmm. and stuff like all that stuff is like totally got ingrained like in our brains like when we were young and i know for like matt too it was like a huge yeah it's it's definitely a weird thing because you know the everyone who works at mad magazine loves the simpsons and so uh, not i mean and for the younger members of the team we knew the simpsons better than we knew mad magazine um just in terms of our everyday viewing it is funny because we're trained to write chicken fat which is what you refer to for the background jokes and any little anything in the background is called chicken fat oh i didn't know that yeah if at least for i don't know if it's exclusively mad magazine but i i believe it's it's just the word in general for comic book art or magazine art. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, that's sometimes you'll see when, when we can't come up with chicken fat, we'll just have the word chicken fat in the background. Uh, Interesting. But, uh, yeah, it's funny because we'll, we'll often be thinking of Simpsons stuff and when in reality it is it's kind so of weird how these things are both, so like right, cyclical right. and feeding on each other because i told you guys i think when like in the in the the new york simpsons new york episode when bart goes to mad magazine uh-huh. that's totally based on when bill and i lived in moved to new york and we were like 20 
five or whatever, and we were like, let's go buy the offices of Mad Magazine <laughs> on, on Madison Avenue. Mm-hmm. And like we knocked on a we rang on the bell and they let us in and it was it was it was actually it was kind of depressing because the offices were really old and kind of dingy. Mm-hmm. But they were awesome and John Facara, who's yeah. the editor, like like we were just totally idiots off the street and he let us in and he like gave us this tour and took open all these shelves and said like it showed us all this original Don Martin and Dave but like all the oh, stuff wow. and for like an hour just like was showed us around and introduced us to the people there and it was like so that's cool it was like so cool that like that's that's what that's what Bart visits the office and it's just a place uh, of business yeah i love that so much i just want to say before we move on from this mad magazine conversation i've been holding on to this for three minutes (laughs) when you said not my iteration of mad i'm far too young i got a flash of uh, a shining like situation (laughs) in which um people visit the current offices of mad and find a photo from 1932 (gasps) Uh and you are front and center i have to say that i use that i i use that shining photo too much (laughs) But it's like such a good place to hang your hat. Like a meme? Yeah, like (laughs) I pitch it all the time for um, our, like we have to come up with cartoons every single day for the social aspect of the job and um, that one comes up a lot. For Mm. example, the first meme of the year, as we all remember, was the uh, Fiji water girl uh, who kept photobombing. I I liked her coy smile. Me too. (laughs) I pitched something where she had been showing up in photos throughout history and, uh, and the last one was her in that That's photo great. of The Shining. Yeah. It's it's an interesting job. But <laughs> all I'm saying is I, as someone who does it on a small scale, I deeply appreciate the the amount of work that continues to be put into to these background signs and puns. And yeah. It a, really is amazing. It's it's, mm-hmm. its own kind of, it's uh, its own show in, that, in work, work-wise and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. And the ba- it, so, also the backgrounds. I believe we talked about this maybe a little bit when we touched on Disenchantment once before with you, but the backgrounds themselves are also so different from other Matt Groening shows. They're so lush. The mm-hmm. universe is yeah. very rich and beautiful. It really does um, kind of uh, go to that Game of Thrones and yeah, it's very medieval. it's very it's very intentional too because. First of all, we thought in, in creating this show that there have been a thousand fantasy TV shows and movies and books. And unless we do something that's really great and enjoyable and lush, then don't do it. And so it's very intentional that the backgrounds are much more kind of like storybook and have that hand-painted mm-hmm. feel to it. Yeah, yeah So like that, that's one of the very first things we, t- we told to like rough draft. The perspective we, yeah. of the backgrounds. It was something that like I was re-watching a couple episodes and was like really marveling at just the shots of going into the town and like the layers of it of just because you have to get like it's uh, it's on a hill, but then there's all these little side, you know, curvy yeah. roads. And it's, and, and it's like, it's really cool. Like, we want, I will, I always want, like, in a fantasy, especially, I want to be able to say, I want to go to that place. Yeah. And I want to go to that yes. town. And in fact, the, the town, the village of Dreamland is based on an English village called, I think it's Whitley, but it's up on a cliff and it's all these crazy oh, winding really? roads and alleyways and stairs. every suburb in friggin' Europe. <laughs> it like, is, like, it can is. we not? It is just. <laughs> that was an Enterprise a, car rental. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is now. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. You know, as I said at the top, this really is more for people that have already seen the show, but can yeah. you can you kind of just talk about the, the show's uh, general art? and uh, I guess uh, summary just just for those who maybe have right yeah and it, whether if you 
as as you said, like you should watch the first ten episodes, which is called Part One, which part are on one. Netflix now, because I'll be talking about the arcs, and these are ongoing arcs for forever how long the show lasts and we know mm-hmm. where it ends wow. as well like lost creators i thank the lost writers for not knowing what they are doing because everyone after has been like we don't want to have a lost situation i've seen yeah. that out of a corner of my mouth because i never watched lost yeah but i understood right. that they it like that they didn't really have a really good satisfying ending and so it kind of like petered out into weirdness i, yes, I will defend did. the people who okay. made lost okay yeah i'm sorry to As insult someone, anybody but, no it's but, okay yeah. i will say also i i didn't watch it but i, I did say. so be careful <laughs> okay <laughs> i will say that when you have shows like lost that is you know culturally significant in a way where you haven't really had that like big moment um right. as tv watch culture before that you know i think that there is some defensiveness in in there not being a precedent for them to follow now should they have built the bridge that they were standing on perhaps not but i will give them a little bit of credit because they were forging a new path that didn't seem to be uh, explored yeah. before. Well, it's true. You're always like forging a new path of like right. a show that's even slightly different in this show too because um and we were but we were really cognizant of the lost scenario where right. it's like we People are going to be following this and getting into the characters, and unless we know where we're going, which informs the stories, right? It's also like it's good. It's just you don't want to freaking rip off at the end and go like, "Oh my god, that was it!" I or think you're that saying that was the big secret, yeah. or that's where they're heading. So we know where we're going, and what's great is we know where we're going with the characters, and we know sort of like the big final thing like we know all of that that's great and so sort of the fun is getting there and what's interesting and that we learned i learned a lot from gravity falls is when gravity falls was planned like part of it was in alex's head from the beginning but like like i think like 30 or 40 percent of where it goes like he knew the ending but where it went was figured out along the way mm-hmm. because stories have a way and characters have a way of living it sounds pompous but like they evolve and the story sometimes presents itself where to go but anyway we know where we're going but going back to the genesis of a show that's really interesting too because we we felt like we're sort of going into new territory and certainly for us from simpsons and futurama which only had simpsons had no real canon i mean it had stuff it had stuff yeah. but it wasn't like it was not like there's not not a lot of canon and Futurama had some canon and mm-hmm. with like Fry and Leela and stuff that's established but not serialized stories and arcs that really move ahead and when we started Disenchantment and we planned the first 10 and 20 what's interesting is we thought in the beginning let's do about 65% canon arc stories that propel the story ahead and the rest freestanding episodes Mm -hmm. and then what we found and by the nature of Netflix shows where you drop 10 at a time we had no way of knowing how people would react until they dropped right and then they did and what's interesting is we found that the fans are much more into the serialized aspect of it than the freestanding ones and I Mm -hmm. think when we had an odd mix like we do in the first 10 to critique ourselves then you get impatient because you're moving you feel the story, and then you stop at a freestanding episode. You're like, what's happening? I want to know, even though I want the jokes and stuff. So we actually adjusted the show in terms of both our reaction and fan reaction to it. So we're making, like, the next ones, 11 through 20, are more clearly serialized. Like, each episode stands on its own, but you feel, you should feel the arcs moving ahead and revealing right. themselves. And so we're, that's like an interesting thing that we actually adjusted 
according to how fans reacted. That's very impressive. Mm-hmm. Like that seems extremely hard to pull off. Oh yeah. my god, it is because like we actually had to like we had in for episodes eleven through twenty, mm-hmm. which people will see hope spring or summer. That um, there's a very clear arc. But there are a few episodes in there that were totally freestanding, and we went back and changed and altered those episodes to make them more. Right. At least, like, you feel like there's something, you're getting another tidbit or so. Yeah. I love that. I, I, that is, to me, so interesting about, you know, this binge-watching culture that we're currently in. You know, for two reasons. As a creator, you know, for the first time, you are getting that kind of episode order, or yeah. you at least have an understanding of, like versus the previous version of of sort of TV business of it being sort of more case by case. Like, as you've mentioned on the podcast before, The Simpsons, every season felt, until a certain point, every season felt like the last season. You know, like most TV shows. But now that, you know, places like Netflix are going, we're going to order this amount of episodes and you're going to be able to sort of parse out those narratives. That's really interesting. But then also as a viewer of that, you know, I think that we are getting used to and really craving that kind of arc and also wanting our binges to be kind of productive in a way. Yes, yes exactly. I don't want to waste time because I know like when my wife and I are watching, like we'll watch a whole series over two weekends right. and yes. I will get very impatient if you go like, what's, nothing's happening in this episode. Yeah, it's a filler. Yeah, it's a filler. And that's a yeah. Writer, too, it's I feel we felt that way, too, of like, because I'm old and like we worked on Simpsons and Futurama and stuff. And it's just like and having to do like the reset after every episode, you get a little bored of that. And that's Uh why like something like Gravity Falls kind of wet my taste for like, oh, my God, you can tell a narrative in a in a cartoon. Mm hmm. Yeah, and, and still have each episode be very funny. Yeah. yeah. Which is the most important part. Yeah, and it's, it's a real trick, too. And and one of the things, kind of interestingly, too, is like the way we think of the show is we say, let's let's plan it as a drama mm-hmm. and then put in the comedy. Of yeah, course. yeah. So, uh, so... Oh, and that's... Can I could say one other thing oh, that yeah. we've learned from fans, too, is when Matt and I planned this show, we were like, we because it's Netflix, we can be as as short as... 25 minutes and go up to like a little over 30 if we want and we never had I think we talked about this before but like before like Simpsons and Futurama you really nowadays especially you're down to like 20 21 minutes of story and that's it yeah yeah and now that we have the freedom to tell the story and let it be whatever length it is Mm -hmm. um that was like a real luxury, but we thought in the beginning, let's take time so we can let this things breathe. And so if you want a yeah. scene of the characters walking in a forest for 10, yeah. not 10 minutes, but 10 seconds, <laughs> right, right. it's like you can do that. But we found like fans fans thought it was too slow. Interesting. So, so now, and we're like, we liked it because you can, it can breathe. But now we find ourselves going like, you know what? It is too slow. So let's pace it up. So right, that's another right. thing where we kind of listened to fans and, and said, let's like, we still want to have those beauty shots and let things breathe because you have the space and some scenes are better with space but now we're kind of pacing it up that's interesting that you say that and that you got that reaction from fans because i feel like to me and maybe i mean i co-host a simpsons podcast so perhaps i'm a little biased but i found it to be really refreshing in the way that it was paced yeah it's like it's a really weird thing too because like this show came out to mixed reviews Uh and it was like some people loved it and some people hated it. Well, the expectations and, were yeah, and that's so it. it high. There's so many. They will, those are freaking, the worst episode ever. People, I feel right. Exactly. It was <laughs> you. If you go into this series of 
expectation. I want to see Futurama in Fantasy World. It's like, no, you don't. That's Bender's game. Watch right, Bender's right, game. Right. This is not Futurama or Simpsons, but it's done by the same people. But the people who went into it, it's just like, I'm going to let. And it's interesting because we look at Reddit and stuff and see online talk about it. There are people who go like, fans of it go like, let this show be, be its, its show. Mm-hmm. And if you approach it like that, then you can love it. That, well, also, yeah. yeah. Also, like any any show in the world has to start and find its voice and everything. And like The Simpsons and Futurama each got their own time to develop. And they each, like Disenchantment, start with their strengths and with their things that make them special. And then they right. develop. It, it's like a relationship. Like you can't right, get right, right into the binging Netflix yeah, and that's thing how with your partner. We feel like we've, le- we've learned from both ourselves, but also from the fans and just like, it's yeah, it's like we start it start I think it starts out a little rough to be honest and mm-hmm. then it then it hits its stride and we find what Yeah, what works for I feel it. like the first episode of anything even though pilot uh pilots aren't really made in the same way given this like streaming culture now it used to be and maybe in some cases it still is for network stuff like you make a pilot like a year before you make the rest of yeah. that TV show so it's going to feel kind of detached in that way. Um but I think that that is what you're describing of like the expectation and this show being different than Futurama and The Simpsons like that is kind of like the danger of you know being from the creators who brought I know, you that's this because like, we've had this yeah. discussion of like I wish that we weren't right. we didn't have any precedent and no no expectations and you could just sneak on mm-hmm. and into people's consciousness and, and viewer love and then that would be much nicer because but we just started with such high expectations but you know what that's fine yeah and that's what we found we found our ground and what works for our show that we love now mm-hmm. and so hopefully people will see that too i think that's better than pandering to an audience and going oh my like God. that's the thing too they want we, simpsons. we discussed like if we just pandered and said like let's make this like simpsons or futurama and did like a lot more like parodies of like get direct parodies of game of thrones or lord of the rings mm-hmm. people would get really angry at us for that they get mad no matter right what. yeah they get you can't win so we were like or maybe they would love it but then you know much in the way that like um, a stand-up comedy audience loves an impersonation and they're like maybe it it can be empty calories like there's not a joke on top of it but they're just like you sound like Reba or something I've never seen anyone impersonate (laughs) Reba Um, but that's a fine example let's let's all take a moment to think about uh, what our Reba impressions would be uh, during this break Is there a dog in a car at a bar on the street? Yay! I'm Allegra Ringo, a small dog owner. My dog Pistachio howls when she's excited. And I'm Renee Colvert, a big dog owner. My dog Tugboat tips over when he's sleepy. And we co-host a podcast called Can I Pet Your Dog that airs every Tuesday. We bring you all things dog. Yes, dog news, dog tech, dogs we met this week. We also have pretty famous guests on butt legs. We're not going to let them talk about their projects. No. Just want to hear about those dogs. We don't want to hear about your stuff, only your dogs. So join us every Tuesday on Max Fun. Hey, what a good break. What a good break. Hey. Uh, did everybody think about their Reba impression? I did. But that's a perfect example of like a like a <laughs> an empty calorie comedy thing that is yeah. funny at the moment, but it won't. It won't last. last. And that's another thing right. about this show. We also said, like, 
if this show isn't about something, then let's not do it. Exactly. Because That's there's great. not a point. And just a show that did parodies or like God Bless Family Guy, but just was like nonstop parody of God the Bless form. Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole quote. When <laughs> AV Club reviews <laughs> this episode. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, That's... but they're doing a specific thing. I like thing. when he mentioned Family Guy. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but then it went downhill from there. But, um, that's like a thing too when we, we set out it's like again because there have been so many fantasies before in movie and TV and books that this has to really be right. about something and that was a part of a Genesis too it's like this is about the three main characters are Elfo, Bean and Lucy and they're all around 18, 19, 20 years old like Lucy's probably 10,000 years old but he's a young <laughs> a very young mm -hmm. demon so this show is about it's really twofold it's about going into the world for the first time, like when you're that age and you're mm -hmm. late teens and 20s and suddenly realizing things and you're on your own and adults have told you a lot of bullshit growing mm -hmm. up and you're suddenly realizing that and you're trying to find your place in the world. That's part of what it's about. And then it's also about this a deeper thing that that I'm not going to really talk about. Because it's it's a, a deeper thing that reveals yeah. itself the over the course of time. <laughs> I said I can't talk about it. Jeez. Sorry. But, yeah, we can edit that out. And, <laughs> but there's like there's deeper themes that will evolve as you watch the show too. Uh -huh. But then it's a real that that makes it a real pleasure to think of because we have. We know it's about something, so that's also driving. That's great. I show. love that. Um, so to go back on some of the things that we talked about earlier, just because there are some comparisons I wanted to make, um, in terms of like getting the plot out, but also having kind of standalone uh, yeah. episodes and kind of just that balance of... Um, in other shows, it could feel like a filler episode or right. it could feel like this is so plot heavy. This one has no jokes at all. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So the comparison that I, of course, want to make, uh, including with having this new season where you're able to make chances or take chances. Um, Mark Frost versus David Lynch. Uh, mm -hmm. In the ori original Twin Peaks, you could tell when it was a David Lynch episode because it was all the fun and it was all the, the weird crazy yeah. weird stuff. And when it was time to get shit done, Mark Frost yeah. would come in and it'd be like, "Wow, they just arrested they just arrested somebody. They just solved the murder. They yeah. just got this. It's only been ten minutes. Dad's at the wheel." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, you could really tell when it was uh, who doing what. That's uh, interesting. And when yeah. they came together, it made such a good. Uh, satisfying thing having them kind of side by side but then in uh, the newest season of Twin Peaks uh, to compare it to having a new Matt Groening show with the people like you and Bill and uh, the cast of Futurama Everybody, I think, when Twin Peaks uh, 3 came out, uh, was really hoping it would be exactly like Twin Peaks 1 and 2, where it would be like the saddle shoes and like mm -hmm. the, the yeah. just the Weird, very lingering Northwest. saxophone. Yeah, and, and you know, those people probably don't really know David Lynch and they really just know what they like about like apple pie and coffee and like very sexy teenagers and stuff. Right. And instead what you got was the most David Lynch thing ever which is the last thing you would ever expect. And mm -hmm. People hated it, and other people loved it. I and... didn't, you know, I was so excited about it, and then I didn't watch it just because it it, it seemed to get that mad response, which is dangerous to listen to response because you never right, know. Right, right. But I just didn't. Yes. And I I remember when Toon Tweaks was on, and it's like Bill and me and other friends would get together to watch it, and you just like. Yeah. eat up that vibe right. oh, and yeah. so so it is like it's a real trick especially in serialized 
arc-driven storytelling to have that balance. Be just talking about like podcasts, all, right. all worlds coming together. I but know. it's with diversions that people also love, mm-hmm. and so we're very cognizant of it. And hopefully, this is a a, a Frost Lynch production full time <laughs> yes. where we're telling the story and moving art but we allow ourselves time for those diversions for yeah. example there's like I think it's episode four or where being Elfo and Lucy take the weird drug I and they go on this trip that. and that was like a thing that that was just like a, a diversion and it started as just like a joke in the room and it was a thing where all the writers just like jumped in and we loved it and it's one of our favorite things and that is that was really just a diversion but we love it and it's it's one of my favorite moments however there's certain things about thinking about this show like we're talking about like arcs and stuff and like I would say like 90% of the arcs and the secrets are pre-planned mm-hmm. and laid in but it's that other 10 percent of things that arise along the route while you're traveling yeah. that are that present themselves as wait a minute this may just be like a weird drug trip but it actually ties into a, a deeper theme that I we're going for love it and we're like there's a lot of stuff like that in uh-huh. the show we're like oh my god like matt and i were just talking last week and we're like oh my god this stuff that we didn't think was related to the arc totally ties in and it seems like we're geniuses for, for planning it <laughs> that is but a, it just yeah. happened and so like that's like part of the fun too and i was like gravity falls was done that way too it's like along the way you look and go like oh my god that what that was just a joke but really we can use that for canon mm-hmm. and to drive the canon further and yeah stuff, that so. is the greatest magic trick of good writing i feel yeah. of you know something that's is seemingly innocuous and of course if it's comedy it's most likely going to be a joke in the moment and even if you do plan it you know in that moment like to cover it with a joke i think you know makes people not suspect it that right, much exactly. more jokes jokes make things go down easy yeah yeah like and, exposition yeah. you know just coded in a joke yeah so that's feel a trick too it's like you don't want to be the freaking have the exposition character right i see it so many times especially in drama it's like for the, the detective who works with the people but isn't a main one and suddenly appears in a scene to explain what's going on yeah, yeah. And like that drives you crazy too so it's a real trick to make sure that the the arc is moving along in, a, in an entertaining and funny way and it's also a trick weird to have big jokes and also where to keep make sure that the characters are treating the situation realistically mm-hmm. and really feeling it because if you're not feeling it then it takes you out of it yeah too. i mean as a viewer i respond more it, it, it in that productive binge watching kind of mode like my synapses in my brain are going off more when i'm like oh i laughed at that joke but then that joke taught me this about this world <laughs> yeah. it makes me think about um you know what i really detested about being i used to be in a sketch comedy group for like half a second and was a writer for it but then occasionally since we were so limited in, in performers got pulled up on stage and i remember like spending all of my weekend like crafting what I felt was a really great sketch and it said I mean it wasn't like political or anything but like I it had a purpose and I worked really hard on it it bombed and the thing that the sketch that got the biggest response from the audience was a sketch where a guy just keeps falling down and it was I know that like and it is like that's man get hits in the groin with football yeah but (laughs) but that's a true too and this is a thing we talked about this on on but about the Simpsons is Simpsons has Homer falls down right. and it also has Grover Cleveland two non-consecutive <laughs> yes. terms jokes yeah. so it has like a really I think a good animated show has 20 different types of comedy yeah. going on at any one time Absolutely. and yeah. so like that's like you don't you gotta 
you got to have that balance. Would you say that that is to reach a wider audience to get the adults and the kids in the room, or do you just feel like that is what good writing and I, good comedy I think writing it's just should be? Good writing. Yeah, and I think it's something people don't especially realize. Like when you see like a Simpson spec script or whatever Futurama spec, like it doesn't. It's not going on all those levels. Because, mm-hmm. like, that appeals to us as writers. It's like, yeah, I like a smart joke, but, yeah, I also like a it, Homer hits his head. Right, It's right. funny. Well, yeah, I think that even outside of uh, good writing and good TV shows, that's the same with people. Like, your favorite yeah. people are going to be the ones that you could have a genuine conversation with, and then they crack you up, and then they make a witty joke, and then they fall down. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh my God, like, I don't want to be, like, I, there's certain people, like, I see at parties, that, and I go to parties much and much less frequently but i go like oh my god they're gonna be ponderous and just talk about these highfalutin things and i want somebody who might say a smart thing but then make a really great fart joke yeah, or whatever it's not always on quote unquote right you know, yeah. like you, right you want and to, to the point about writing that's true with of those breaks like it just like with people who talk too much and don't let you have a moment to just rest right, tv right. shows need to let you rest yeah. a little bit because contrast is Absolutely. what makes anything right. matter and that's mm-hmm. also important too in our series because it's like heavy stuff happens and heavy stuff is going to happen for however long we are on the air so but you need kind of a break from that just like the characters mm-hmm. need a break if we're treating them realistically and and bean gets her mom back and then we see that her mom's not all she was cracked up to be like you gotta you gotta take right, a break right, to right. let that sink in so yeah. let's talk about kind of where the story begins and where we're left at the end of part one and maybe yeah. what we could uh what we maybe can know about part two or what yeah. we can maybe predict I, about part two. i yeah. will tell you some things great um because you, you guys said are that my like friends liam neeson and taken i have a certain <laughs> set of the, skills i will tell you some things some things i else i cannot tell you that is and I will not tell you. That is fair. Some things will it. slip out. Okay. But um but yeah, and also the episode one, there we like to think that everything is laid in to episode one. So in episode ninety nine or whatever, like the penultimate episode, you'll go like, Oh my god, that was there yes. in episode one. But it was in the background. Or it was just something a character said, but a lot of the canon is is laid in. That's amazing. In that mm-hmm. and like and that's like that's one of the pleasures of doing a Netflix show is because we had all ten episodes in our in our store in our office until we re- released them, so we were able to go back to episode one and like mm-hmm. lay in some things too. There, there's yeah. a couple things like I laid and said put that in. Nobody may notice it, but it will. Yeah, pay off. that's amazing. So like that's like both. Both in terms of like symbol and background, but with characters too. It's like we know, like this is it's Bean's story and it's Bean, Elfo, and Lucy's story, and like mm-hmm. that's like that's where it begins. I love Lucy. I mean, I love Lucy's so cute. Yeah, I love yeah. I love all the characters. They're all so cute. But I feel like, do you find that any one of the trio has become the fan favorite? Maybe? Yeah, it's interesting because like for for me, like I love Bean. I identify mm-hmm. with Bean, and and she's based on a lot of friends of mine. And and also like when we were that age, right? Um, so I have a particular fondness for Bean, but I f- a lot of fans really latch onto Lucy. Yeah, that's which what I, I was too. kind of yeah. figuring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The most it's interesting. The tattoo index is very. That's, that's right. A thing. It's like extremely Lucy high. No, oh, yeah. That's like there's some. It's that's in, an easy tattoo. Yeah, I think. It's, it's, it's a really color. good. It's a really good tattoo, <laughs> and you could have put do it 
on right, there. Right. But like the Lucy Tattoo Index is great. Like follow, I follow it on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And it's also really interesting to see how people do Lucy tattoos. Like a lot of people have a Lucy tattoo right behind their ear whispering, do it. Oh, which I think is, that's, that's cool. I think it's really cool. Do and it's also it, a it, huge freaking <laughs> commitment by the fans. And I thank you for doing that. Like what yeah. if you are canceled and you have a Lucy tattoo on that's your head? I yeah, know. I guess then, yeah. yeah. That's why I got that's, my Simpsons tattoo <laughs> so late in your run. <laughs> yeah. That's like, but, I was like, I don't have anything to worry about. <laughs> yeah, that's why I say the early tattoo adopters are I salute you. But right. yeah, Lucy really strikes a chord. And that's a weird thing, too, is like in writing it, you never know what's going to strike a chord, even with yourself. Like, I know, like, there's Simpsons lines and now Disenchantment lines I quote over and over again. Yeah. And you're not sure, like, do it, do it, do it was a David Cohen line. Oh, yeah. Because it came, it came in episode two, I yeah. think. And we really liked it, but we didn't think it would catch on and that's what people's favorite thing with lucy and it's interesting to see the genesis of all these characters like lucy is a character that matt had been drawing for a while Mm -hmm. and really wanted to put in episodes like so he kind of pre-existed and elfo like he matt's been fascinated by elves and the happy little (laughs) elves and stuff for years so it's sort of like a different that's funny the different Realms little obsessions together, yeah. that you know may be dormant for so long yeah. don't but quite a, have a place I in other projects when I saw the design for Lucy like I loved it I could it's tell so, yeah. because like it's just like it looks like some weird like Hungarian character from a cartoon in 1957 yeah. or like a weird kind of like throwback thing but it's mm-hmm. so and in some distant. ways it feels like it shouldn't work within the world of your show because right. it's so off design for yeah, what the rest weird. but it does oh and there's a lot of weird things like in the genesis of this show is originally like we were like Lucy's a demon but other people can't know he's a demon and so then we said well what if he says he's a cat we felt like we thought that we didn't know if people and the characters in the show would really buy that but it totally works because originally Lucy was going to hide in Elfo's hat Mm-hmm. And we're like, we can't really do that. You got to see the character. You can't just have Elfo's right, hat right. talking all the time, and that would be horrible. And that's but such we... like a familiar trope of like, yeah. is your hat talking, Miss? <laughs> yeah. And you How get, many jokes you can get you pull? So sick of it, but we didn't. Yeah. We didn't know. And then this cat thing really worked. It's and so funny. So, yeah. I love when the two like kind of hot ladies are also just like they they love the cat. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. Um yeah, so the the characters at the beginning, you know, j- just as a brief refresher, we we know that Bean is supposed to get married and obviously it's not for love. It's mm-hmm. it's because it's going to help the her dad. Yeah. Right. And um you know, Elfo uh is sick of being in this kind of goody two-shoes type of place where he can't... I mean, we see that he's not really exactly perfect in that. Right, right. Well, each of of those three main characters represent a different type of young person or a different aspect of you when you're 18, 19, and 20. Mm -hmm. And Elfo is the guy from the little hometown that just can't stand it anymore and it's so happy and sappy. He he has to get out and go to the big cedar, go out in the mm-hmm. world. So he's that type of young person. Bean's the type of young person who's been kept down in her kingdom. It's because it's a patriarchy, mm-hmm. et cetera. And she's like, she's someone who's like really frustrated and has turned to drink and kind of doesn't know. She she wants to find herself, but fe- felt kept down. And right. Lucy is the young person who's in his first job and mm. is going to really screw up. <laughs> and oh, like, wow. That's, what, that's and amazing. So, yeah. I, I thought you were going to say, like, Lucy's your fuck up wild card friend. Yeah, no. Lucy Lucy <laughs> is the instigator. And, be, you know, in fact, he's based a little bit on this friend of ours from high school who would be a real instigator and really push you to oh, do yeah. the wrong thing. But then you're grateful because oh, it yeah. was fun or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think he we is, all have friends like Lucy. Yeah. I mean, I'm a 
comedian. I have them now. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I mean, there's not that that's putting them really stereotyping them in a way, yeah. but that's the basis of those. But that's great, Characters. though. I mean, I think that, you know, that shows that you have really thought about this and have, you know, kind of constructed and maybe pitched the show in, like, the right way where you can kind of understand what the, like, core motivation for each character is. And also, like, the parallel of what we understand in the real world, I think, can further, you know, help those characters resonate with us. Right, the fact that Lucy it, is it, such it, a standout hit for certain people. Yeah. And that's part of the thing, too, is, like, this is, like, on a, the emotional surface, but it's also a little but really it comes down to being when you're going out into the world for the first time and you realize like your parents and your teachers and adults are kind of full of shit yeah. and you don't really know. And therefore, like the path that they set out for you, that's not correct. Ultimately, what it ends up is like you have your friends, mm-hmm. like that's the only thing that you can really trust and count on. It's like that's one of the one of the themes yeah, of the I, show. You know, I so rarely do talk about Mad Magazine one because Mad Magazine has asked that I not, but two, <laughs> uh just cuz it why why? It's, yeah, just, it's, no, it's, it's hard. But one of the biggest lessons and this is of course starting with the original Mad and, and we're just trying to keep it alive is just don't don't trust anybody in terms of like your yeah. the people and, above and, you and in fact, don't know salute shit. Salute to Mad. Yeah. Mad is like that like Mad taught us that. that it's is like the, the number first one thing. Lesson of Matt. It, it's like when I was a kid reading it, it was like, don't trust Adelaide Stevenson or, or Dwight Eisenhower. But it was like, don't. It's the first thing you're exposed to as a kid. It's like, don't trust authority. Don't Adults trust are not always right. Yes. And in fact, they don't know what they're doing either. And like that's part of that's part of this show too. Yeah. I feel that a lot. And and yeah, I, I agree with you that as the show progresses, even within, um, it is a pretty short. Uh, part one, like, you know, mm-hmm. if you're used to, like, yeah, the 23, like, 24, you know, of season, like, The Simpsons. Yeah, but... it's, I, it's like a four and a half hour, five hour movie. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But uh, it really, it really gets that. It, you feel it right away, but it really just gets further and further that uh, everyone you see kind of has their own interest at heart. And, mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, a part of, and it's also like, also like the family emotions are really important in this too with Bean and her mom. Yes. And it's kind of like the, yeah. the nightmare mom, but it's also like she does love Bean, but it's twisted. And it's like, we really want to get at the heart of like awkward, odd family relationships too. So like that, the relationship of Bean and Dagmar and my I'm looking up into my head, making sure I'm not revealing too much. Yeah. But it is very that's very important mm-hmm. in the series. You can tell because Dagmar doesn't show up until um, the the penultimate episode. Yeah, 10. and so but she has such a huge presence in the in the series that it it really feels like. Oh, we're all here now. Like it really. Right. Yeah, it, to it, me, it felt like things, oh, things, things start things to have, lock in. Things and it's really interesting because it. we're finding and talk about a ser- series finding itself. It's like we're finding that Dagmar is the ultimate greatest villain because she's your mom yeah. too. Right. But she's really villain. It's also part Sharon Horgan who does the voice is mm-hmm. so awesome. She's and the she best. we just recorded her for some last line. Oh my god, the final. I'm not going to say anything. I can't say anything about part two, okay. but um, but I will. But there's there's something that will hopefully give people chills. And she just so clearly relished delivering yeah. this line. But that's the thing too, like about 
the villains in our show, because there are a number of villains, and we like to go say, like, well, villains don't think they're villains. They think that they're doing the right of thing course. to them. Mm-hmm. For example, the but character, the, the exorcist, yeah. the guy says that. It said, by the way, I don't think of myself as a villain. I loved that. And so, mm-hmm. like, we want, like, it's also, like, that's part of, like, when you grow up and think things are black and white and good and bad, and it's not. Yeah, and so right. that's part of it is, like, learning that the world, there are these weird gray zones. It's like, your mom might love you, but then she might try to kill you or yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah, that's why uh, there's that Mitchell and Webb look sketch uh, that is so good where the two of them are wearing like pretty much Nazi helmets and they're just like, are we the baddies? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because, you know, you only know what you're told and what you see. Right, of course. And it's, of course, a, an exaggeration, but it's good in our own lives to realize, like, maybe I'm the asshole in the situation. That, yeah, exactly. That That's guy a... really wanted to produce Firefest. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that was his passion. And I, I, I salute him. Yeah, we just saw that documentary last yeah. night. Which one? It's Hulu the Netflix, Netflix one. I oh. want to see the other one. I started but, uh, with Hulu oh, and oh, really? the Netflix. But, I, I was yeah. going to start with Hulu. And then I read Netflix was slightly better. Netflix is uh-huh. better. But it is okay. But they both go really but, well yeah, together. Yeah, I'm interested. Yeah. But, um, but like that guy, it's like if you watch it, the first part, you go like, oh, maybe he's just an enthusiastic goober. Mm-hmm. But then like when you learn, and I, when I heard beforehand about all those other ticket frauds, it's like, no, that guy is a sociopath. sociopath. He's yeah. a real criminal. So it's really, it's like, it's that weird world. And I can't believe like he keeps suckers I know. people in, but he did. I think he's someone, in my opinion, like if you scratch the surface, there's a sociopath, but you never know. And tying it back to the show, it's like, let's starting about like Bean's father, King Zog. He seems like a loudmouth jerk in the beginning. Right. And when you scratch the surface, you go, oh my God, he wasn't, he what? This is a spoiler if you haven't seen the first 10. He wasn't searching for the key to immortality for himself. For himself. It was to bring back his beloved yeah. wife. Yes. And yeah. then you start to feel, then you start to feel, and that's something we learned on The Simpsons is like characters, you, you you start to peel away the layers. And so you start with a stereotype, just like Chief Wiggum, it's a stereotype. And I don't think there's been a great Chief Wiggum episode that peels away the layers. No. But you, that's what you like to do. And as a writer, too, it's like peel away the layers. So you start with a stereotypical type of character and you go like, no, there's much more going on. Yeah, the dimension there. to that. And, and that's part of the fun of the, a serialized arc-driven series, too, is like, we gradually will reveal more and more about the characters, but also have them grow. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, too, that we're they doing... grown a lot, yeah, I feel. It's like, we're gonna... Characters will... Like, there's, a, there's an end point. Like, I don't... This show should not go on beyond a certain number of seasons, even if we're, if we're so lucky. But the characters will age, and they will move ahead That's in time. So you can't... There's no reset. Wow. It's like, so... Is that because you know where it ends and you kind of have the comfort of that kind of goalpost with it? It's Yeah, it's both that we know where it ends and that we want to pe- people to feel like this is really happening. That's and we're great. not joking, even though hopefully you have lots of jokes. You so, defy yeah. the lost syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's we... also something we never, we haven't been able to, we wanted to do it in Mission Hill and we we're canceled, but we wanted the characters to age. Mm-hmm. Let's all age a little bit during this break. Yay. <laughs> I'm already old. <laughs> Hello, 
this is Amy Mann. And I'm Ted Leo. And we have a podcast called The Art of Process. We're talking about how the creative process is in itself an art form, in our opinion. There are underlying forms and structures that serve as a scaffolding for any creative endeavor. We've been lucky enough over the past year to talk to some of our friends and acquaintances from across the creative spectrum to find out how they actually work. We weirdly don't know as many musicians as you would expect. New episodes will be coming every other Monday. Starting January 28th. So please listen and subscribe at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, we're back. Hey! I wanted to quickly uh, give my opinions on Lost just because, you know, I very quietly and politely never gave them earlier. Yes, yeah, um, I'm sorry yeah, I didn't please. ask. <laughs> it's just one of those things where the reason, if you have seen it, that you hate it is because... Uh, which you all do, of course, because we all are sound of mind, uh, is because you were promised for so long you're going to yeah. be given something, and then they didn't deliver. That's yeah. I'm so sorry. true. Yeah. That's I get huge. That. That's all it really is. Because yeah. if, if they had not... This happened also on a reality TV show called Love Island, where someone says that they're going to leave the show and says, I'm going to leave the show with you. They don't leave the show. <laughs> Had he, had he not promised Lost to Love Island from one island, island to another had yeah. they not had, had this had Lost not said the polar bear means something right. had they not said we have answers no one would care it's all about expectations it's all about not lying because you don't have to have you don't have to deliver if you don't say that you're going to right you could have right. it's gonna it's gonna mean something or you will uh, end yeah. up in jail uh, yeah and it's like that's a big that's a real that Everything, some things in the show are just jokes. For fun, yeah. But everything that feels like it means something, yeah. it it does. Yes. And it's been thought about and it's continually thought about and refined. Because yeah. we really don't want to... We really don't. We don't want to rip people off. Yeah, of course. I'm saying this now, but you'll see me. I'll be in jail in five years. No, having really disappoint in disappointment jail of disappointed people. But we're super. We're super cognizant of mm-hmm. that, and that's like why we want to know where we're going. Yeah, because and because because yeah. yeah, like the the reason that you guys are making the show is is because yes, you said that there is a story, there's a reason, there's a purpose. It's obviously not that you guys are doing this just for money or just for right, clout. Right, you guys right. have already done so many amazing things. It's not that and. And, you know, you're not making these twists or claims. Right. And that's another thing, too. It's like you don't want to just do a twist for the sake of a twist. No. Like right. it's got to propel the story. Yeah. And that's also why we're very like I like I said, this this series will will end at a point in hopefully a few years. Mm-hmm. Like we'll get a few years, but it will not continue yeah. beyond that. And it's, it's like, not gimmicky or it seems very in earnest. Like you're not trying to do stunt. Right, and that's the thing too. Right, that, right. Like we learned from the very best Simpsons episodes is when when the emotions are real. It's Matt right. and Jim and Sam's original rules. When emotions are real, you appreciate and you get into the story more. And especially with something like this that we're saying, this is about these three characters finding themselves and their lives. Like you have to be honest and real and earnest mm-hmm. about that. And we can have crazy jokes that come from that. And that's another reason why we don't just do a lot of parodies of stuff. It's right. like we're saying this is this is real. This it's, is a real and, world. And that kind 100%. of stuff is hollow. And I think that modern TV audiences can kind of sniff out when especially if from the creator of you know that sort of legacy, they can sniff out when you're cashing a check. Yeah. And yeah. you know that they're a little bit hipper to that. But going back to like the lost comparison and you know the intention that you have in writing Disenchantment, um 
I think that audiences also find such great joy in, you know, really diving into the lore of a show uh, from yeah. the promise of from the creators and to parse out the puzzle pieces to find the Easter eggs. It makes them feel like this is all building to something. Right. And, and it, 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 yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about Easter eggs. Yes. Because this is like there are not just symbols laid in from episode one and in the background, but with characters and some things they say and some things that happen are clues to a greater mystery. And there's a few different mysteries going on that will gradually unfold that will hopefully come to a culmination mm-hmm. in episode 99 or right. whatever that is. Um, but there are certain symbols laid in from the beginning. And I think, no, I haven't said this yet, is fans have found 60% of them. Wow. And there's and but there's a remaining forty percent in episode one and ongoing that people haven't discovered or that they've been wrong about. And kind of like who shot Mr. Burns, there's on some of them there's one person on the internet uh-huh. who are like, Whoa, they divined this totally correctly and they right. got it. It's like um do you watch the good place? No, there's, I there's so the well the yeah. basic premise is like, um, you know, the this is a good place, like you're in heaven, blah 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 blah. You know, um wow, like heaven is this whole other realm where everything that you ever wanted, like your perfect house, your perfect this is this is that. Has anybody ever guessed this correctly? Yes, one. And it like they have a framed photo of like this yeah. guy who looks like a stoner. It's like Noah Garfinkel is yeah, the actor. Yeah, yeah, and, and, oh, and yeah. Oh yeah, that's being I read, I did runner, read about like, a good place. Yeah, like yeah, that's for, he, yeah. And we were really amazed at the detail that he went, like that he yeah. was high when he Some said fans, it. Some fans, like for example, here's the thing I can talk about is like Elfo, who Elfo's mom is, is is a big issue, and it's just it's. I think it's just touched on we in the almost, first ten. We almost yeah, need to find out that right, his dad Pops, has a piece of right, paper. Pops gives him this thing that's a needlepoint, and he's about oh, to talk point. because like Pops, this is an ongoing thing. Like Pops wants to tell Elfo about his mom, but there's a there's a tragic backstory that is great actually that we will reveal in part three. But he wants to tell Elfo who his mom is, and clearly she is not an elf. Yes. Um, but so talking about clues, there are clues from the beginning, and I can say this in the design of Elfo that makes them different from other elves, mm, that mm-hmm. you could, if you're careful, divine who or what his mother is. That's amazing. And um, and again, it was like one or two people on the internet have gotten it right. Great. But you'll they'll learn in, in part two... There's a a nod to it that if you're watching, you'll go like, okay, now I now I know who his mom is. Mm-hmm. But that's so like amazing. that's something. But that's Dante's very design. Cool. That there are things, but then there are other things like symbols that some people have gotten. Like the symbols all point to something, but there's some symbols that people have not gotten or even know that there means something. And I will say, I'll tell you a couple of them. That um, first of all, there's a curly Q symbol that appears throughout. Mm-hmm. You see it in the forest. It appears in the castle. Um, that means something, and no one's gotten. Cool. That also, is it about Ar- Arby's curly fries. Yeah, <laughs> it all comes to Arby's. That's the big reveal. We're sponsored by Arby's. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Thank that's you, a, Arby's. That's a horrible sponsorship. With this yeah. <laughs> we started it from in the Millhouse episode. We're throwing yeah. over the wall. The Arby's story about the Arby's. From then, we've been conspiring. <laughs> God, been like, I feel like a hack because I've watched so many episodes of The Simpsons that when I have to think of a shitty fill-in-the-blank um, fast food, I always go to Arby's. Yeah, You're in I, my I brain. I'm kind of glad that we started that. I think it just we sounds funny. Hard. It's a funny-sounding yeah. name. And I love, and you know, it's like Bill loves fast food. Yeah. And it's like, 
I love fast food, but but Arby's is it. no. That's so funny because when I was not uh, vegan, uh, Arby's was my favorite. Really? So some people I love, love something Arby's. for everybody. Interesting. Yeah, the curly fries are as well. The curly fries Arby's are sauce great. Rules, and if you just get a plain roast beef sandwich with none of that gross waxy cheese, mwah, oh, see, that's excellent. to me like that. That's the, the cheese, the cheese is, that make grosses me the out. Cheese yeah. is not, I like. Crap! Oh and yeah, me too. Me and I listen. I was a pastrami connoisseur. I was excellent uh, at, at finding those places too. Like, yeah, yeah, I was like, the, it's so funny when people really briefly will say, just like, well, sorry, I just really like meat. It's like. Girl, like I liked meat more than my 16th birthday man was going to one of those Brazilian steakhouses where they just keep I sending you my meat. 17th birthday. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, it's so expensive. I can only bring one friend, and I don't even <laughs> think she was. I don't think she knew she was as good a friend <laughs> as I thought she was to me. Everybody uh, is a secret meat lover, even if you're yes. a, a good, honest vegan. Oh, you still like there's I, that secret. Sometimes, like a meat. scorned lover, I will just trail by that Smell In and Out in Burbank <laughs> and just be like basking in its cloudiness. Yeah. No one's a vegan because they don't like me. No, <laughs> it's its own thing. But this yeah. is all to say, I had—I have had good roast beef sandwiches, and I've had good pastrami sandwiches, and I still, despite the the very vast mm-hmm. difference, I did love Arby's. All right, yeah. Arby's, give it a, give us a second chance. Give us <laughs> a second <laughs> chance. That's but it's all building to Arby's with it's the curly cube. But to the so, curly cube. Curly cube—that's a symbol, and it's like people. Some people. So like, oh, it's a Hearthstone symbol. There's a mm, game mm-hmm. that has a symbol. Like, it's not. It's of course, not. it's, it's not. a much. You wouldn't none, reference none another the, property. Yeah, these symbols are are serious in a way. There's another one. I'm going to reveal this. Is this? But I'm not going to say what it is. Okay. There's a symbol that appears throughout the castle that looks like a sun. Hmm. It's not a sun. Okay. Okay. And it's also it's not what you first think it is. Hmm. If you go like it's not a sun and certain things that happen in the show and in, in part two, it's not what you. It's not that. Is Ooh. it? It's not that either. But it points to. I will say this. It points to an ultimate secret about the castle, <gasps> and that's all. I'll say. Is it a roast beef sandwich? No. Is, is it, it no. two for five roast beef sandwiches? <laughs> is it Homer's no, I'm son? No. I try to think if we even have <laughs> sandwiches in the show. <laughs> that, but yeah, no. Hmm. So and there's other, I'm very excited about there's that. other things like that that like cool. oh like you will hopefully you go like oh my god that I saw that in the background in episode one and now I understand why in episode forty they're revealing this and if I had paid if I had known that it would have made even more sense. That feels so, like I want to um, rewatch this so bad. I know. Right and now. it's also what that's the thing that we love and it, for Netflix too. It's like it, you can watch it many times, and people are also because they're like, "Give us part two. Where's yeah, part right, two? Right, right. I've already watched it five times, so people are watching it over again." And that's what we love, like from shows like Simpsons and going back to Mad. Is the you can watch just watch it the first time just to enjoy, yeah, and don't even just. Go for the ride, enjoy, enjoy every episode, enjoy the jokes. Mm-hmm. But then you can watch it again and start paying attention to background stuff. Oh my yeah. God, here's another thing. Right. Here's a character. There's a character in episode one that will not come into play until like maybe episode 30, maybe a little later. Cool. That they're just there in the background. In fact, there's two. There's two. There's. There's one character that's going to become very important. There's another character who is doesn't even say anything who will also become 
very important. Wow. Cool. That's exciting. Yeah. So I wanted to say, too, with like the luxury, it feels kind of twofold, like what you're working with of like the fact that people can rewatch on Netflix, which is like different than the original Simpsons experience with that. Um, But then I also feel like just the world of, you know, disenchantment and like it borrowing from a lot of medieval kind of stuff where symbols in decorations of stone walls were just a casual thing. That's a thing too. Is because yeah. I'm, I'm a huge medieval history buff. Mm. Like even more so than like fantasy. Yeah, it's like I just love medieval history and symbology. And, and is there even a word symbology? Mm. Is that correct? Uh, I don't. But that, yeah, you, you look at that. I like yeah. the period in history too. too. And yeah. it's really weird because I went to. We were in a museum in Boston and. I saw this was after we already did the curly Q symbol. And it's like, oh, my God, it's the curly Q symbol in medieval art right. in this religious art. And I was like, whoa, that like it does. Exist. What I really love about that period in history is that with things like, you know, decorations on the wall, nothing was ever like, you know, just arbitrary. Everything felt or maybe we're projecting this as a culture now looking back, but everything felt very like regal and very like this stone wall will have this symbol and like. You know, maybe if we like translate it, just says like Gus's house, but like it, mm-hmm. everything felt very like it is decreed, and so, right, so I think you give it that reverence. Yeah, there is all that in the tapestries mm-hmm. in the church where mm-hmm. we say their religion is just starting, so we right. don't really know exactly. But there's lots of stuff laid in. I love it. Uh, what are some some changes in the characters that we can maybe expect to see just in terms of their growth or uh, maybe some uh, times that they do something bad the way that teenagers might or yeah. maybe one of them gets a new hat <laughs> yeah Malby Stacy has Who a gets new a hat piercing? Oh. Yeah. oh my god oh my I don't even talk about this other show that I know about and like their big thing their big promo thing was like this this season, the characters get new costumes. No! Uh, that was like the big selling point. It's like, okay, I guess that's what? kind of okay. That's kind of okay. I but yeah, Pete's going to have a lot of great new costumes cool. to wear. <laughs> but um, that's, it's really good because this is like, we want to slowly see the characters progress and grow. And you see like Bean, like, and again, but it's a, it's a trade-off because like, I like when Bean is drinking because yeah. I remember too, like in my twenties and stuff when I could drink and not fall asleep and how, like how fun it was and also how much of an escape it was. Yeah. And it also means something deeper to drink. I'm not going to go into it, but however, like you see, like she kind of like, she stops drinking as much yeah. mm-hmm. and because it's also like she's found She's found friends now, and so she kind Filling of the progresses void. that. Mm-hmm. But then she's also learning, and this is a huge thing, it's like about her mom and about family and love. You'll see like in part two, because we know, we know in episode 10, she's gone off with Dagmar. Yeah. And where she is going, as people can probably guess, but um, there's more about like family. So like you sort of progress. It's sort of like the characters learning things just as you learn as you grow older. And then, and then like, instead of resetting, then it's like, okay, now that's in their head or in their hearts and they're moving from that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh, oh, and then, I'm sorry. One more thing. It's like, like beans, horrible choice at in episode nine. It's yes. like, she couldn't bring back her mom who she's longed for, for years or this new, really wonderful friend, but she's only known for two months. Elfo, who's she going to bring back? And it's, and, and so like her guilt at having brought back her mom who ends up being kind of twistedly evil versus bringing back her friend like that plays a role as yeah, well. And also Elfo, Elfo being kind of 
pissy about that is like you brought your mom back not me but then again it's like bean has a legitimate excuse right well yeah of course and it's yeah that's such a hard decision because she 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 considers herself responsible for her mother's death right even though she was just a child and it couldn't possibly be a child's fault for something like that but she also doesn't have a great relationship with her dad and who knows what type of person her mother's going to be and at first it's just so great to see that she's being given affection and you know just is is understood and mm-hmm. right. has this companion right. and just another female friend whether it's yeah, I think that you kind of yeah too. you project more of what that interaction is because you want more from it yeah so something that i like and I, not to discredit if Elfo and Bean do end up finding a stronger romance together, is that I do appreciate that they're just being able to appreciate each other as, as quote-unquote people. That's really important to me, and I'm not going to reveal anything, because Bean especially grows as a character to the end, and she... I, I'm not going to say anything, but I, we very conscientiously did not... I don't want to repeat Fry and Leela. Yes, right. Because it's like those are they're great characters, but the Alpha and Bean are not Fry and Leela. Yeah, and it's like it's not they are not star-crossed lovers. It's yeah, like Alpha right. might be the guy who has a crush on his female friend, and he, he might learn or whatever. But like, or they could end up together. Yeah, but yeah. I'm just, what the way I'm talking. It's obviously not that, and but, it's yeah, like and- it's. And I want it, it's. It's, 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 it's got to be real. It's just because these two people are together it's not just romance and it's also for being is really important too is that we don't freaking go down the the line of like oh she's just a kick-ass princess and mm-hmm. she's gonna find true right, love it's right, like right. that's not about that and it's yeah. like when you're you're 19 years old i wasn't thinking about true love uh, none of my friends were male or female and mm-hmm. it's like love and romance it's not important to being right now no absolutely not yeah and i I just think it's so important too for because you know at first i was worried by elfo's um like he he was just kind of obsessive with Bean in a way that it, I know that some real boys have it's, been it's, with girls. It's actually annoying and, and bad. And it I is think, bad. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think we're like, because like in that, yeah, in that one particular, yeah, it's icky <laughs> in one particular episode, and we're like, uh, let's stare away That's from that because it's both because of the the genuine icky factor, but also like it's frustrating. I don't like in shows where it's like you have these two characters and like you know they'll never get together until the yeah. final episode, right? And it's like that's not going to happen. The will right. they won't they? And, and it's like mm-hmm. yeah, and it's also like that's not that's not what these characters are about. And it's also like especially with Bean being the first female lead character in a Mac rating show, it's it's way more right, than that. Right. She's gotta it cheapens be, it. If yeah, she's got to be mm-hmm. her own character and not like... Just an accessory to Elfo. Yeah, Or exactly. validated by the love of a man. Right. Yeah, because not... how sad would it be if it was just like a show of a show that's really about this female character and then it becomes, but she's really just an accessory to Alpha. Right, like, right, right, right. So it scares you at first when you're just like, is this what it's going to be? And then you realize pretty quickly, like, okay, they know that that's not what it is. Yeah. And, and they I have think references o- o- over to it. doing those first episodes, that kind of presented itself too. It's like, this is, do he, not, right, right, don't right. go down this road for a number of reasons. It kind of makes me think, and this is maybe a crazy jump, but it kind of makes me think of Disney's Moana, where like a lot of the critical reaction and the audience reaction was like, whoa, cool, we have a Disney princess for the first time who isn't ser- searching for love and like looking for yeah, some sort of prince to like, kind of validate her. For mm-hmm. being, and we're also very cognizant too. It's like, 
I want her to be cool, like the the cool woman that I I there's she's based in part of this group of women who I hung out with in my early twenties, and I was the only guy, mm-hmm. and they were really like cool and funny. I want her to be like that and be really realistic, and not be the other the way that st- stupid middle aged fat white writers like me <laughs> right. write princesses. It's like oh she's kick ass immediately, and I hate that yeah. too yeah. because like that's not you don't want it to real. just be a fantasy. So like being yeah. will throw a punch because she's cool and tough. But she might get hit and it might not be successful. Mm-hmm. And it's like. And she's still vulnerable. She's yeah. not. She's. <clears throat> it's important. And that's a good distinction that you make. And it's self aware in a way that is very re- relieving because, you know, a, a lot of um, straight, white, older dudes could say, like, I made a feminist character. She kicks ass. She yeah. drinks. She's this and that. But they would miss the part where she's still someone who gets her period. She's still someone who has issues with her mom and dad she's still someone who has like vulnerability and anger and frustration because she's a human being and right. that's the thing right. that, and it's, that it's, and it's also being. like and i'm certain too <laughs> that we we make the mistake of going oh, mr white sensitive right, male right, right, feminist yeah. and you just cannot no matter no. how like i like to think i'm genuine <laughs> but it's like but it's like we're gonna yeah, we're gonna make the mistakes and it's, it's also yeah. why it's really besides its importance like why we have a number of women writers of on staff. And it's mm-hmm. like, because we're just not... You don't know what know, you don't know. We're not going to be right from... Uh, yeah. So much of it, if it's based on reality, it's not exactly my reality, so we have to... Yeah, right. Which is great. Um, yeah, it's it's been it's been really great to be able to see the show kind of... Uh, just because it's serialized, to, to get to know the characters in a very real way that you wouldn't. Because the show... You know, there is a version of it where it is like Futurama where like it is like each episode could be its own episode and you don't have to watch them in order and you'd still like the characters, but you just get to know them in such a deep way because they're going through this journey and it's it's really special to see a Mac rating show that is like this. Yeah, because we that there hasn't been before. And that's what part of the appeal to to Matt, myself, and the people who have just like worked on Simpsons mm-hmm. and Futurama to be able to tell this type of story. And also I say part of it comes from the actors. Yeah. Too. It's like this is like once we got the actors, like then their writing starts their their acting starts to inform the writing. Mm-hmm. Of course. Mm-hmm. And especially with the main trio, Abby and Abby Jacobson who plays Bean, Nat Faxon plays Elfo, and Eric Andre who plays Lucy. So good. They're great. And the interesting thing about the three of them, they're all writers and directors themselves. Right. So you see, like, when we give them a line, you see, like, their writer brains working, too. Of, like, is this the best joke possible? How can I make it better? Mm-hmm, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, like, they bring so much to it. You can tell. You can really tell. Yeah. And it's also, like, they really are. Th- those characters are like those actors. Mm-hmm. Like, Bean is like Abby, and we're also shaping Bean to be more like Abby, mm-hmm. and the same with Eric and Nat. Yeah, because then they it feels like such a fluid partnership between like the person you know playing them. But I I think that that just amps up like you know how real their portrayal feels. Right. Yeah. yeah. And also, I say like all, I love our Futurama gang too, and particularly John DiMaggio is a guy so who you know who's so he's probably one of the funniest people to walk the earth, but he's also like there's deep heart there right so like for king zog when you can let that out yeah it's because like originally when we started with king zog we we're kind of directing him just to like yell because it was really funny it's like no the more you see when he doesn't yell and when mm-hmm. he speaks and we start to see aspects of him 
it's really delightful. Yeah. yeah, that contrast is always really what makes it important in the first place. The the thing that is interesting too is I you know I referenced Squid and the Whale more than I should because not enough people have seen it. Have you guys seen Squid and the Whale? No, is that it's a Noah Baumbach? Yeah. It is. You know what? Really I love great movie. I love Noah Baumbach, and I saw that was the first of his movies I saw, and I didn't watch the whole thing because I didn't like it, and I loved all his other stuff. Oh. So I should probably rewatch it. Well, regardless of if you like it or hate it or have seen it or have not, uh, the thing that is interesting about it it's it's a story that. I think relates to um, many people and this show in that a lot of us, uh, maybe more so if you have divorced parents, but maybe either way, you might spend most of your life thinking that one of your parents was the one who was kind of bad to you. And you might later as you grow up realize it was actually maybe the other way around and one parent maybe had influence on what you thought of the other. Yeah, that's so... That's so very much the show, too, because like mm-hmm. that is based on it. It's also like going back to the, the Van Houten divorce episode yeah, where right. we wanted to handle it re- really realistically, very similarly with this show. It's like that's like Bean's growing up thinking her dad's just an oppressive asshole. Yeah. He's selfish. And it's like, wait a minute. No. And we'll see. There. Yeah. And we'll see like as their relationship twists and turns like coming up in the next parts, like they, they will start to grow right. closer. And that's a very real moment for, I think, a lot of people, especially as they go into adulthood, of realizing that their parents are real people, too, and and understanding that. But then also, you know, maybe there's a bit of anger in in the resentment of that parent maybe turning the other parent against or whatever. Right, yeah. But but then if you step down a couple, you know, steps later, you realize that that was out of fear. Oh, that's a a perfect segue. Mm -hmm. Do we still have some time? Yeah. It's a perfect segue into Una. Yeah. Oh, great. Una, I, love, I love Una. Una. I love her. Una, and yeah. She's my favorite character outside of Lisa. She's mm-hmm. many people's. And that was interesting because we didn't we didn't see that coming. That a lot of people really love Una. Right. And, and we ended up loving her, too. Originally. She's so funny. Yeah. And but what's, again, perception versus reality. It's like Bean hates Una in the beginning. She says, like, oh, she's the stepmother. And so she also, like, blames like she misses her her real mom so she's especially angry at una and doesn't like her and thinks she's just a big weirdo oh she's my dad's second wife that's right, typical right, right. second wife blah blah and she's the evil stepmother mm-hmm. and that's what we set up to going through episode nine and ten mm-hmm. where people in the kingdom too are like it was it's una mm-hmm. it's una who turned people to stone mm-hmm. blah 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 and then but what being will come to us it's like oh my god again like actually una's a really cool role model and if i'd only appreciated it yeah. her when she was around i could have our relationship could have been different yeah. but we will have a chance to adjust that yeah and mm-hmm. that, that una will see we see una grow too because that's um una you really feel for her being in this position where she's in this arranged marriage right she's from a totally different country and world and people think she's a weirdo and it's one of those things too it's like you think of a person as a weirdo but wait a minute don't you think that that person might start to feel that other people think they're yeah, weirdo or whatever exactly. you can and smell so that we see una like in part two i can say that you will see una break out yeah that, oh great like, she finds herself i love her design too, too. oh too. yeah She's, i love her yeah. design yeah. yeah her her yelling or like her her like the sounds that she makes her, her howling it is so yeah. funny yeah um yeah i really oh, love oh and again i'm sorry one other thing is like we had this joke about una's drug mm-hmm. that just oh, yeah. it started as a joke because like we needed 
them to have a drug to take. But they're like, no, Una's falling back on drugs because she's unhappy. And that's yeah. her escape and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. That's um, great. I really I mean, loved... not that, but you know. <laughs> yes, drugs are, drugs are drugs not great, are, but they are an escape. And yeah. part, of, part of the whole series is about the way different people try to escape reality. Yeah, escapism. I think that's really uh, important to remember, too, because for a lot of us, it's watching Netflix. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's our drug of choice, baby. Uh, I really, yeah, and it is like a drug because you keep wanting more. Exactly. I know. I really loved uh, the character, and I forget the name, but the the giant woman who has one eye. That, oh, yeah. Tess. I love mm-hmm. her. She's one of my favorite characters on the show, too. Um, anytime that you, that you really have like a female character who has like such a perspective and a point to make, I think is really, it's coming across really well yeah because that's the thing too it's like we're all like from kids like we know stories of giants and fairy tales but like this is like if these characters were real what would they really be like and yeah so tess is a great character who will also be coming back oh only right. a, like, she's, oh, cool. she's only a, a teeny bit in part two but she's another one is like we want to see more yeah. of her in her world and i, I like thought her. it was a really good device uh to have the all the all-knowing eye that could see through people. I thought that that was right. a very interesting way to get that exposition or to kind of like learn and to kind of tease something and then not pay off things. Like to say like, oh, I could really see you. And right. then I was going to say this. Like it's very right. interesting. I right. Love and that that's, also like, that's part of like what is reality and what is truth is part of the whole deeper thing Ooh. too. Yeah. And yeah. it's not. Not the deepest I'm saying deep. now it's not going to end up that this is Bean writing the book. Oh, okay? yeah. yeah. Or, or, or M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. Right. And it's not going to be like, oh, my God, this was a dream and everything. It's not no. It's not going to be that type of corny. It might be something else. But it's like, it's not going to be Well, yeah. We, we see that a little bit because, you know, when they wake up from one of their, like, drug trips or something and they, I think they kiss. Like, there's just this moment of just, like, am I being? Am I Elfo? Right. Like, am I this? And then, right. like, you know, waking up, coming in and out of these, like, drunken fits. Like, they're often waking up in situations where they didn't realize that they were in in the first place. Mm-hmm. And- yeah. And also, by the way, that's, I recall distinctly wake, waking up. You know the the Homer waking up on a golf course yeah. story. Open face club sandwich. Yeah, that's that's we said on the commentary is based on someone we know, but um, it was you. Yeah, it was me because I, <laughs> yeah. my kids were my kids were little and I didn't want them to know. Oh my god! It was god. totally based on an instance in in I was is right that was it was right out of college. I was like twenty four and I was drinking at a friend's house in Maryland, right outside. I grew up in D.C., in Maryland, and I woke up in a golf course in Virginia. <laughs> and I was like, how the hell did I get here? Because I didn't remember. And I actually had to go walk to a 7-Eleven. I didn't know where I was to buy a map mm-hmm. to figure out where I was. But Homer waking up on a golf course. But anyway, oh, we're talking about waking up from yeah. drug or, or alcohol-based things, which is a very real mm-hmm. thing. Especially for that age. Yeah. But it's also like all, all of that about like drinking all of a sort of escapism but also seeing these other worlds like when you're drunk or right right or right religious epiphanies or whatever or dreams like it's all and how it fuses into something. your identity too yeah. of like your perception something i thought was funny that actually kind of goes into the billy thing if we want to take it there is that when <laughs> tess uh when when the pig explains that he was like the handsomest right, uh, right. prince, uh, she says like he's not lying. He actually does think that that's the truth. Yeah, like, I right. Think he really a, does. That's oh, and that's Merkimer's another great character I love, to I talk love about. Him. Here's an interesting thing that that has changed 
as the character came out, and not just fans, but us as well. Love he's done voice is done by Matt Berry. Yes. I love Matt Berry. A little quick sidebar about our British actors. Yes, but um, but Matt Berry is so good in performance of Merkimer. So good originally because now you know in this world there's the Merkimer. Merkimer pig body, but there's also this naked man, Merkimer, occupied by the soul of a pig that's yes. running around mm-hmm. somewhere. And originally, we're like, we got to find a way to get Merkimer. This is a spoiler, but Merkimer back into his original body. But we found, and it also seems, too, from the episodes you've seen in part two, Merkimer starts to kind of enjoy being a pig. Yeah. And so we're still going to have stories with that other part of his body but we found that it evolved to like no let's keep him as a pig i love that so and that yeah. sidebar about our british actors because that's one thing that's different to Vin simpsons or futurama is because it's like i i love british comedy oh and that's God, yes. and, and i've worked there for i did a show a kid's show there for a while and there's just so many great British comedians and voices and they were like if we're doing a medieval world we don't want everyone to talk in faux like oh, I say blah 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 yeah, yeah. in fact Zog has a New York New Jersey accent I love that. and there's a reason but um, that's all I'll say about that but then um we wanted to have these great British actors. So we've got like Matt Berry. We've got Noel Fielding, who Love plays Noel. Stan, the friendly so executioner, good. who gradually ultimately has a, a bigger role. We have Lucy Montgomery, mm-hmm. who does a lot. Of, she's like our British te- Tress. Yeah. She's so, so she great. does Bunty. She did Tess. And in fact, she's one of the few British actors who does a good American accent. Yeah. Oh, she cool. does American good. That's and so, <laughs> so she's really great. And of course, Sharon Horgan, yes. who plays Dagmar, is amazing. She's so amazing. But I like kind of a combination of classic Futurama American voiceover actors, but then also like the mm-hmm. best of British comedy. Yeah, and it's, it's really to fun. Get, uh, Rich Fulcher and Matt Berry together oh, yeah. anytime because In fact, the, the they're whole, the best. The whole genesis of that, I might have mentioned this on a previous podcast, is I was doing a pilot with Matt Berry for Fox that dragged on for literally three years wow. where they kept freaking changing their mind what they wanted and it's driving us crazy and we'd bend over backwards and do these different incarnations so it was an animated show and each time we were like this is great this is a really good show and they're like eh, we don't know do, do this or do this desperate move and then they're like well can you make an animated snuff box which was Matt I Berry and box. Rich Fulcher's show and we're like yeah we love Snuff box, but that's its own thing. An animated snuff box. What the fuck is that? Yeah. And so, but we're like, we will do a show. Let's do a show, an animated show with Rich Fulcher and Matt Berry together. And then it ended up that Rich Fulcher went to my high school. Oh, and wow. And was like two years ahead of me. And I kind of vaguely remember him as like, oh, yeah, he was that delightful weirdo in that uh, class. But oh, like, I believe we, it. <laughs> we didn't really know each other in high school, but we have this mutual background. And so Matt Berry, Rich Fulcher, and I all really got along really well. And like oh, writing together. Yeah, that's so great. So like then that's how we got Matt Berry. And Rich Fulcher obviously is both an actor and a writer yeah. on a show. He does the voice of Cloyd, mm-hmm. the the mysterious guy who we'll learn more about as well. And, and Lucy Montgomery plays the Enchantress. Yes. Um, we'll learn more about them that's in exciting. episode 11. Yay. Mm. We are so excited for... Uh, this uh, upcoming part to come up, part yes. two. We're very excited. Um, definitely, um, for those who haven't, uh, rewatch the season yeah. now that you know these, uh, that there are these clues. Uh, the curly Q. The curly sun Q that's not sun. a sun. The yeah. sun's not a sun and it's not what you think. And it's not what you think. Okay. The two characters, uh, the owls are not what they seem. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, there's a three-headed, a three-eyed owl. Ooh. I love that, that all, there are all these Easter eggs. I would have never yeah. picked up on that degree of Easter egg. Um, so, yeah, just during your during your free time, everybody make sure to rewatch it and tweet. Uh, what do people do? A hashtag? How do you find the people that are tweeting at the show? Oh, um, that's there's 
there's me, Josh Strange Hill, there's the actors. Bill is that Bill Oakley. Um Abby tweets. I don't I don't remember her her name, Eric Andre. Mm-hmm. Matt occasionally tweets. Um there's some animators. There's also a disenchantment tweet that hasn't tweeted in a while because the show's been out, right. out for a but we'll start. But you just stuff. do like word searches. Yeah, if you for look stuff. up hashtag disenchantment. There's also a great discussion board on Reddit. Okay, great. Where oh, people discuss their theories. We don't we do not jump in. But you do see but, it. Yeah, we do see it. Cool. So keep that in mind, guys. Yeah. The, yeah. the people who actually are making the show are able to read what you're writing. That's yeah. kind of a cool feature of modern TV making. Yeah, I, I love that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, there's so many times I've been dying to jump in and go like, oh my God, you guys have that right. Or like, right. no, that's not But you can't. It, but I can't. But yeah. it's like, we love we love the fan love it. And there's also a lot of stuff on Instagram too with cosplay and tattoos. I love which that. Which is how, how we're also engaging. Like, oh, yeah. people are sparking. The, I know we've got to wrap up. No, but it's no. really cool to see like at some different conventions that a, a bean cosplay person has run into a Dagmar cosplay. Yeah. And they get together. I love that. And it's like really fun. And then you came on for Stonecutters when we, it was around Halloween. And, yeah. and you were our special guest judge it, for the costume contest and we had some great disenchantment there were costumes. Awesome costumes and there, that yeah. i mean for a show that was only at the time out for a couple of months it was really really impressive and really cool i'm sure for you to see yeah, your creation yeah it's insanely yeah. cool and exciting everyone yeah. i yeah, everyone so that you. i meet that is like a you know already a simpsons person but then a disenchantment person they're all kind yeah. creative we people. love our fans because they clearly like spark to it and so yeah that's great that shout out to them i love that um well thank you so much thank for coming you, on yeah uh when part two does come out we'd love to talk to you again the third uh simpsons pod co-host <laughs> so um, yeah yeah but yeah thank you so much this Thanks. has been so cool i'm very excited to go back and rewatch yeah, things I'm glad too, because this is the first chance i've gotten to say like hey watch for this stuff yeah that's right yeah. i remember last time you came on you were like hush hush you know even talking about what it looked like and so yeah. this is really oh my fun God. just quick plug for part two they go to some amazing places cool that, that are totally new look yeah yes. i'm very excited i want painterly quality baby Yay. <laughs> you look at something i'm excited Great. well thanks so thanks. much Josh. Yeah. this has been so much fun uh julia where can people find oh, you thanks online thanks so much for asking i'm at julia prescott and all the things ali where can people find you thanks so much for asking you can find me at ali gertz and all the things and you can find us at simpsons pod Everything's Coming Up Simpsons is a production of Maximum Fun. Our show is engineered and edited by Jesus Ambrosio, and our senior producer is Laura Swisher. Swish! All right, smell you later. Smell you later. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.